0: So, Rachel, I, I just want to cut right to the chase. Mime. I got I to gotta know about it. I got to hear about it. If you uh, don't mind, I know for some people, mime is a sensitive topic. It's <laughs> a terrible thing to waste.
1: Um, <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. People. Yes. Uh,
0: <laughs> Welcome to Hey, You Know It. My name is Jaquetta Sotmar, and I'm here with my co-host, Katie Kazmier. Hey, You Know It is a podcast that tells you how it is or how it should be. You can listen to Hey, You Know It on iTunes, a new episode every Monday. And here they are, Jaquetta and Katie. Okay. All right, so welcome to Hey, You Know It, everybody. Um, it's Jaquetta and Katie as usual, but we are joined by two wonderful guests. Rachel weekly and Ashley Lauren Rogers. So Rachel is a clown performer movement coordinator based in New York. And most recently they performed their original show too many exits with no dominion theater and several acts with scowl, which we'll get into more about later self in self isolation devastation. And then our other guest is Ashley Lauren Rogers, award-winning writer and trans rights activist. Uh, recently a Trans Theater Lab Fellow, Literary Director. There's so much stuff here. Mm. I can't even. There's so much. <laughs> she has done so much. Um, TV, film, everything. And uh, she's a part of SCAL as well. So welcome to the show.
2: Yes, welcome to the show. We're so happy to have the both of you here with us in yeah. our our. our online studio.
0: <laughs> I was just saying yeah. before this all started that I am thrilled that we finally have a mime on the show. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> so, stay tuned for that everybody. Yeah. <laughs> so, well so Rachel, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh
1: so I'm originally from Ohio. Okay. Um I born and raised in Athens, Ohio. I went to school there uh at Ohio University for performance. And like literally 12 hours after graduating, I moved to New York with my partner and I've been, I've been sort of finding all the interesting, weird facets of theater in the city that have, uh, made my weird little heart so happy. <laughs> I worked with, um, I worked with the American Mime Theater for four years. I've been, uh... Yay. Yeah, I, it, it was a very good time. I learned so much from them. And uh, when working with Scal, with Ashley, and most recently I've started um, doing movement coordination for shows. Um, I do a lot of, like, viewpoints and authentic movement stuff, um, but we incorporate vocal work too. And uh, also producing my own clown work. Um, I started out showing little pieces with hearts on the wall at Dixon Place, and I recently did my first 30-minute uh, piece with No Dominion for the Virtual uh, Theater Festival, which, like, if talking to a fair amount of clowns, like it's easy to get little bits, but getting like an actual wait, you did a 30-minute so, clown piece? Is yep. that what you're saying? I wow, did. Okay.
0: I yeah. glossed right over that. Oh, that's a lot good. of peace. Yeah. That's a
1: lot of clown. It was really intimidating because it's like, how do you find the story? How does it not get stale and just like, oh, well, yeah, they they forgot their pants again. Good job. <laughs>
0: um, <laughs> their shoes were too big again. Yeah.
3: <laughs>
1: but what I was um one of my favorite parts about clown is really good clown clown that like that moves me is clown that takes your insecurities and turns them into something you can laugh about so like it was a really great way for me to funnel all the anxieties about quarantine and all the performance opportunities and whatnot I had just lost into a piece where I could actually perform again with a live audience, even if I couldn't
3: see the live audience.
2: Okay.
0: Yeah, wow. So um, Ashley, how about you? Tell us a little bit about yourself.
3: Yeah, so primarily I'm a playwright. Uh, That's like, you know, like a lot of multi-hyphenates. You gotta kind of like stack it with the order in which you wanna be like noticed. So playwright is my usually number one. Uh, I am a podcaster. Uh, And so for me, like a lot of what I do is oriented around uh, writing new works that people can perform. Uh, And I'm also a uh, sort of a budding fight director. It's one of those things like I've done a couple of fight directions. I still need to do a little bit more training as far as being a fight director, but I love fight work. I love telling stories that are action oriented.
0: So yeah. Yeah. And is that how the two of you met? Because I, I've seen Rachel a couple of times doing some very physical work, mm-hmm. and I kind of guessed that maybe they were a clown, <laughs> but I wasn't sure. Mm-hmm. But how did you yeah. How did you two meet?
3: Yeah, we met doing uh, a show around Christmas time a couple of years ago called Sword Fight Christmas. Uh, that...
0: <laughs> how did I miss that? How it moved right up my alley. <laughs> That's like perfect. It's
2: perfect. That's like every other... Christmas in my family. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're we're big
0: Krampus fans. We like violence with our Christmas. Yes, stuff. yes.
1: <laughs>
3: uh, but yeah, we we met doing that show uh, where we kind of just started talking, and yeah, no, we we were able to share a lot of jokes. We shared a fight together. I don't think you ever actually stabbed me. I think I got stabbed by somebody else. But yeah, you know, like Are there's there's sure? only more a little bit stabbing. I don't know. Are you did you
0: stab instead Stab you? you? I might have it's never too late never too yeah. late
3: it's it's true it'll happen eventually I'm sure it'll cool. happen
0: <laughs> so i i haven't seen the two of you together but i did watch the video of scowl and i believe is scowl an acronym for something or is it just all caps because it's badass
3: Scowl is technically an acronym for something But we don't advertise it a lot I'm happy to talk about what it is not technically Okay,
0: uh, alright, that
3: works It totally is not stage combat oriented wrestling league And the reason that it is (laughs) (laughs) The reason that it is not stage combat oriented wrestling league is because there's a lot of other red tape within the idea of creating a wrestling league. And what we're doing is not technically professional wrestling. So a, we don't want to market ourselves as specifically a pro wrestling event, but B it also means that like if, someone like uh in new york in the state of new york the state boxing commission rules over pro wrestling so we don't want them to try and shut us down because if they do then they have to shut down every shakespeare production they have to shut down every production of other things and we don't want them to think that we are creating a wrestling league that would fall under their purview because what we're doing is just a lot of stage combat it's just heavily focused on the stage
0: combat
2: That's amazing. I
0: could see, though, how someone could mistake it for you moving towards kind of a WWE aesthetic.
3: Yeah. So we're.
0: (laughs) 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 yeah like and we we
3: lovingly embrace it we love pro wrestling yeah. well i love pro wrestling i'm kind of forcing everyone involved in scowl to start to love pro wrestling
2: <laughs> but okay. you know yeah. but, but that the wrestling aspect people think that it's really easy to get up there and you know stage a fight or something but it is a little more, it takes a lot i mean what kind of training is involved in um putting together a show like this
0: yeah, like, how do how does one just go right into a suplex?
3: <laughs> <laughs> the, the answer is we don't. Rachel, I'll let you talk a little bit more about the actual, like, uh, building process as well. But yeah, like, I know, especially with the suplex, there's a lot of moves that we say we are absolutely not doing because they take a lot of training that none of us actually have. Like, the suplex <laughs> is one of those moves that a lot of people look at and they think, like, oh, okay, everyone's just going to do a suplex but the suplex oh, no. is the no 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 one... yeah, no, 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 no. <laughs> like, yeah. the suplex is the one that even though every one who is trained in wrestling eventually learns how to do it's one of the most dangerous moves and can cause the most harm oh. and so yeah like just your your standard suplex you like you're dealing with people's yeah. necks you're dealing with people's heads yep. there's there's a lot about that move so there's a lot of moves that we outlaw as like nope we do not know how to do this we do not have that specific training so we are going to focus on the material that we have training for uh,
1: but we, we, also, reach-
0: don't,
1: um, we also don't have a lot of the uh like a lot of the pro wrestling like floors and padding and um the the safety equipment based around that because we're working in small theaters or we're working in conference rooms um so we have to adapt a lot of what we're doing for the spaces that we're in
0: I found the video pretty compelling. I know that it's stage fighting, but there's still that drama is there, the excitement is there because I I know what it is that you are rep, you know representing up there, with the moves. Um, so who does the choreography?
3: Ashley. Uh, I can take. I was giving you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, it depends. Every, every time we sort of figure that out and reevaluate it, but for the most part, we work with uh, a guy named Nathan Lewis Osterly, who is one of the people that created uh, Stone and Steel Combat, um, and he is just amazing. He has been amazing to work with uh, just every single time we use him and utilize his services. Uh, but he's also really good at adapting for people that have never done stage combat before. We've had instances where we're bringing in someone because they're really good with character work, but they Mm -hmm. don't know the first thing about uh, how how to do stage combat. And so we give them the basics and we figure out, based on the fact that you have a very limited uh, stage combat vocabulary, let's figure out how to build that up. Let's figure out how to teach you a little bit. Let's get you in there so that you become excited about it, so that you want to learn more, so that you want to progress more. and then also adapting people that have acro skills, like acrobatic skills, movements. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're, we're trying to incorporate a lot more of that because there's a lot of things that you can learn from uh, working with people that know how to do acrobatics that yeah. maybe it's not a move that's like actually gonna work in a fight, but boy is an audience gonna love to see this.
0: Yeah, oh, I like that idea. So, um Katie, did you have a question? I don't want to cut you off?
2: No, no, no i I was um I was watching some of the um uh, some of the show and i was I was noticing a lot of the acrobatics that were there, and somebody picked up somebody's leg and I was like, "Wow, that person's really bendy. and, <laughs> and it's, but the, but it is what you were just saying this is it's theater, and so that kind of that that visual impact. Of what they're doing, no, it may not be the actual wrestling move or whatever it is, but it's it certainly um, you know adds a lot to the the story that's that you're putting across. And I was enjoying the characters too. I mean, I'm, London how-
0: Jack, London Jack, all the London way. Jack,
2: yeah. <laughs> April Rain, <laughs> yeah.
0: huh? Really, yeah. April Rain, London Jack? <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
3: uh. And that so one, that was such a, a fight. fun fight to put together.
0: Yeah. I love I love that both characters had those striped tights. Yeah,. Yep. and I felt I felt that London Jack was taunting April raid a little bit with her own tights.
1: Yes. <laughs> or was that
0: just me? Uh, that was
1: the pride fight, right?
2: Yeah, I, I think, think so. Was, yeah. yeah.
1: yeah, we were looking to
0: get all the pride flags in wherever we could. yeah, very nice. So how do you, uh, what was the story that you want to tell with Scowl? How did it come about and where, where do you see it going?
3: Yeah, so Scowl initially started because I created a play. I basically sat down and said to myself, I'm going to write a play like I've never written before. I'm going to write the most ambitious play in the world because I always think about a play and like, okay, who is going to produce it? Where are we going to get this up? How can we get this up? Just because I'm so used to having to self-produce that it's like, all right, we're going to make it work. It'll be just a simple one room. We'll figure out with like two people. Yeah, two I hear people that out. sister. Self-producing yeah. is
0: something else.
3: Whew. And you, get, and especially like if you come from a marginalized background, like we're, we're yeah. me as a trans person. It's like, all right, well, I'm never going to get to play a lot of these characters in my own mentality and from my own experience from in college and trying to make it as a make it as an actor initially getting out of college and first transitioning. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I, said, all right, if I'm going to get these pieces up, if I'm going to be able to be in a piece, if I'm going to be able to do anything, I have to produce this myself. Uh, and so I sat down and wrote what I thought was the most ambitious thing I could ever write, which was an entire play taking place in a wrestling ring during a ladder okay, match.
0: Okay. Yeah. Keep it small. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know,
3: <laughs> just like, just like always keep it small, keep it contained, figure out.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah.
3: Um, yeah. <laughs> But then, like, and I've, I've gotten a lot of really good feedback on it. People love it. Uh, it was recently adapted by The Parsnip Ship uh, into an audio play. But it's one of those plays that I've never still been able to stage. So what we did a couple of years ago was I approached Nathan and a couple of other people uh, about creating this piece, about creating that specific piece. And um, then in order to sort of workshop the bits and pieces from that piece, We created a single fight that we did in Detroit, uh, which which Michael Higgins, uh, Michael Higgins was the fight director on that. Uh, And then we created an entire night called Fight for Your Rights uh, with the Trans Theater Festival at the Brick. Uh, And Mm -hmm. the entire idea was to just workshop all of these elements, all of these dangerous-ish elements within the, the, the script that I wrote so that we could see if multiple people could do smaller versions of it so that when we brought it all together, we know these can work and they can be safe. Uh, so okay. that's really how it started.
0: It's fascinating. I love the idea, and I've enjoyed the two the two videos immensely. Um, and I, I hope that once this is all over, that in the future, if we're allowed to go back out again, I'll be able to come yeah. and see <laughs> the full yes. piece. Yeah. Oh Hopefully yeah, that's like Logan's Run
2: out there. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's yes. Yeah. So your shows, I I really got really homesick trying to get thinking about the theater, and oh, I'm like, man. that's a show I would definitely go out and see.
3: Oh, thank you. Uh, thank so, you. Rachel,
0: I I just want to cut right to the chase. Mime, I gotta I gotta <laughs> know about it. I gotta hear about it. Um, <laughs> just about my experience with it. Yeah, whatnot. yeah, yeah. Um. If you don't Uh, mind, I know for some people, mime is a sensitive topic. (laughs) It's a terrible thing to waste. Um,
1: That's what I'm talking about. Yes. Uh, So I went to school for uh, like regular walking around, walking around and talking, acting like we did. We did Chekhov. We did Shakespeare. um, And I had this really amazing chance to do uh, some commedia, which is this mm-hmm. old Italian style of theater with half masks. And there's a lot of like, it's a lot of posing, a lot of like dumb jokes. Um, and I fell in love with it. And the guy who drew, who did the clowning for that piece was named Drew Richardson. And he was like, oh, well, there's this whole world you can look into. So I started looking up mime, I, clown. And um, one of the really beautiful things I found was how my, you you don't have to speak the languages, same language as someone. Like there's a very, you're so limited by the silence and the style that within that you can be anyone or anything. And I found that such a relief when I was dealing with this world of like, no, no, no. You can be the ingenue. Like no, you can God, yeah. yeah. No. Oh, I I I struggled. I was not um out as a non binary person in college. So there was a lot of not understanding why I wasn't able to fulfill these roles that I was that was expected of me. So mine became this outlet for being able to be seen as I wanted to be seen. Right. And when I got to That's New York. Yeah. When I got to New York, um, I started working with the American mime theater and they have been going. It's, it's gotta be like 68 years now. That's how old they are. Um, and they have some beautiful, incredible movement. Like the training you have to be able to do, um, for their pieces i would go to class once a week and we'd have rehearsal once a week but i was training with it every day like i was building muscle i was building um the ability to move so particularly because it's it's not only about like oh let me create this invisible world it's about actually learning how your body interacts with your world like even how um we breathe when we pick something up is very specific. And we had to like, I I would sit there for fucking 30 minutes, like pretending to pick up this ball and being like, no, why do my fingers move so much? (laughs) Uh, That's mine. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But, but working through that and you get this, you get this incredible sense of your body and yourself with the movement like you you just have so much control that when you can relax into it you're able to do stuff that you wouldn't even be
0: able to expect that is the most eloquent piece i've ever heard about mime <laughs> in my life i love it you're totally selling mime for people out there
1: i, I... <laughs> you know it gets it gets a bad rap because we see a lot of um we see a lot of the people who are like oh mime is fun let me hold this invisible
0: thing. No, they're trapped in a box. There's nothing, a flower. Yeah, it's all
2: shields and Yarnell and more. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Right. That's all all we know.
1: (laughs) Whereas, like, what is... um, If you're looking into more modern mime, and there's still a lot of the, like, oh, look, I have this invisible flower. Here you go. Um, Uh, But people are are creating worlds within it. And there's something there is something so quintessential about theater magic that mime is that you and I are able to sit in a room and I move my body in this particular way and suddenly we're both underwater.
2: Right. right now how do you think mime translates like to the to video now that we're all in, not in the theater? Um are you finding that it has like a different kind of power to it or is what is your experience?
1: It's been, that's actually one of the things I explore in my clown show because the, the clown in my bar of Venn diagram, like you, there's a big overlap between them. And one of the things that I, I panicked about, honestly, when we first started in quarantine is I am a performer who needs an audience You just, you don't have anyone to like breathe with. Yeah. So how do I, you know, how do I know you're on board? How do I, how do I sense? So I, I wrote the show is about this clown comes on to do a show and they can't, they can't find the audience. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And there's, there's a lot with like, okay, I'm going to do it. And now I'm going to check in. Are you still, are you, are you with me? Oh no, wait, I can't. And so the problem solving becomes like you, you have to problem solve within the my movement. And I think, I think it still works. I think it's something we're only beginning
0: to play with, but you. So, and in the same idea, actually, how are you doing with uh, doing work remotely collaborating with people, showing your work on video as opposed to in person?
3: Yeah, I think this is a thing that a lot of people have been trying to, to solve. And particularly when it comes to like playwriting or presenting new material, I think a lot of people are just trying to do the same thing that they've done with theater and hope that it works on, say, a Zoom or something. And in reality, it's it's a very different thing. So there have been a mm-hmm. bunch of Zoom specific or I, I don't like saying Zoom just because it's that's a company. It's like, oh, Band-Aids or Coke. But like,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
3: Yeah, but we've been doing like what I call conference call theater, but everyone else calls a Zoom play. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and it really is a different medium. There's a lot of other things that you can do with it, and I think the weirdest thing that a lot of people are having trouble kind of gra- uh, grappling with is I really feel like a lot of these things can be pre-recorded. Uh, I think that it's still theater if they the idea of being alive and that idea of like doing it in one take. And doing it in a way that like feels like you're still there with the people that are presenting the piece can still be theater. I think, I think looking at it as a completely different medium and maybe a medium that I, I don't know if that medium is going to survive beyond self-isolation. But at the same time, mm-hmm. I, it's been a really interesting way to look at it, especially for... A lot of people with disabilities who have been unable to go to a show, who have been unable to see things in a theater, who have just for various reasons been clamoring for a way to access this material, are finally- I love the
0: closed captioning options that I've been exploring for some of the things that we're doing. That's exciting.
2: There's Marie's Crisis, which is a piano bar in the, mm-hmm. in the West Village. And over the years, you know, you go there periodically with friends and enjoy the, the talents of the, the yeah, pianists and the sing. singers and try to sing <laughs> and have a great time. Um, but with it being closed down, they took it online and they have their the performers are performing from home playing the piano or whatever they're playing and singing and they have their dedicated show spots. They went from something like 200 viewers in their Facebook group to like 20,000 within the first week, mm-hmm. and they now all these performers are being seen all over the world, and people are tuning in to see or tuning in. <laughs> people are looking for their their favorite now performers, and you get to see the you get to see everybody. You get to see all of them. You don't have to go. You know, not. I'm saying I would always go back there, but. I'm now able to like really get to know a lot of these these performers and see what they all have to offer. And this is maybe something uh, new for them. Maybe they, they didn't think that their careers would go in, in this direction, but this is like another door that is opened in that way that they're being exposed to this this massive audience. Um, is this something that maybe, you're experiencing now, you're, if you're able to put your work online and reach everybody, when whereas before you weren't able to.
3: Yeah, like I, I say yes. I've always been an advocate for trying to put things in the digital space uh, to try and get more viewers on, like interested in things. I, for a long time, self published a lot of my own plays just because that was for the longest time before a New Play Exchange existed that was the way, like, the way to get a play in someone's hands is to have a physical copy and say, like, oh, I'm important. Here you go. Uh, and that's... <laughs> yeah. it's, it's a weird it's a weird head trip, but at the same time it's like, yeah, and even then, like, I, I've impressed people because I have published plays. I mean, I self produce them on that large company that, but at the same time, like, yeah, I have published plays, and you can buy one right now, or you can go on New Play Exchange and read it. But the the idea of like digitally and being able to to market to people and having a product has been a thing that i think especially as a playwright but theater folks in general it's hard to have a physical product yeah and at least with yeah. a lot of this digital yeah like at least with a lot of things going digital and a lot of uh, a lot of these adaptations being digitalized people can access it a lot more and we are
0: seeing that mm-hmm. i think about that in terms of cuz i'm from a, a rural just backwards area and if i'd had the access to theater and arts and entertainment to the diversity of it now through the internet my it would have made my life a lot easier so i Mm always think about like young people who are in the middle of nowhere Mm -hmm. who are like wow i can actually see reflection of myself in someone's work that i you know i never would have seen that before i wouldn't have had the opportunity my parents wouldn't allow me to or i can't get to new york or whatever and now people can Mm -hmm. see what you're doing and be inspired yeah, that would have made such a huge difference for me. <laughs> yeah. You said you're from Ohio. I'm from what I call the other Ohio. I'm from Maryland. Pretty much the same. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Basically the same thing.
1: Yes, 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 yes. Um, I, one of the things, this is a little silly and a little self-centered, but one of the things I'm really excited about is with things going online, is I can show my mom things. Like, she's still <laughs> back in Ohio, um, but she's disabled and not able to travel a whole lot. Yeah. So all of a sudden I can go, hey, mom, <laughs> come see my show. It's online. And she's actually able to come see it. And especially with uh, captioning now. Oh. It's, yeah. it's,
0: it's really great. That's fantastic. The, the captioning yeah. technology is amazing. I'm Someone just gave me a whole spreadsheet of ways to make uh, your online content more accessible. I'm also uh, interested in someone talking about uh, different kinds of sign language that might be, you know, just different ways for people to enjoy my amazing material that mm-hmm. they, they couldn't have accessed it before uh, because yeah. I didn't know how to, to put things together. Um, yeah. So I wanted to ask our, our, Actually, I know that you're an activist. Rachel, are you also an activist as well? As much as I can be, yes. Okay. So what what are what are you either of you working on right now towards the those ends?
3: A lot of my activism has been trying to find ways to to have real sit down conversations with folks and and figure out like a lot of the, like particularly incorporating this idea of not forgetting people with disabilities after we can go back into the world, which I realize has been like a thing that like, yeah, like that's, that's been the big one. And then obviously with everything else that's been going on, we've been trying to find ways that we, especially in Scowl can amplify other voices in other organizations Mm -hmm. so that like people can, if they have the money, donate. Like we ended up doing a watch party for Scowl Self-Isolation Devastation just so that we can try and get some money for rehearsal spaces. But mm-hmm. our big thing is pushing the Okra project, the uh, and then a couple of other specific ones that we're just trying to get people to get eyes on. Like if you watch it, we want to give you this material for free. So if you're enjoying this, go give these other people money so that they can continue to do amazing things.
0: But yeah, yeah that's, that's nice. Yeah.
3: Wow. Oh
1: uh, Rachel, how about yourself? Um yeah, a lot of a lot of making sure that we're getting other voices in Scal and making sure that our art is being is helping to contribute to that. Um one of the things that I was really happy that we were able to do is that um all the ticket sales to my uh Zoom <laughs> conference call uh clown show. <laughs> uh, <laughs>
0: I'm gonna come up with something, some fun. Yes. Katie and I have both done copywriting for some time. We'll come yes. up with another term. Yes, we don't have to say. Exactly. I
3: mean, my immediate thought is "clown friends call," but that's me. Cool.
0: Oh, I like that, clown you, friends. You You're nailed hired. it. Perfect. Uh, I love clown it. friends. Oh, um, um,
1: but one of the things I was really <laughs> pleased with was that all the uh, all the ticket money went to. Black Lives Matter, Black Visions Collective, Reclaim the Block, um, Color of Change as well. And it's something I'm hoping to um, continue on as I'm making stuff online and whatnot.
0: That's awesome. So I know, Ashley, you have uh, I, two podcasts. Is that correct? Yes. <laughs> so, okay. Just, Just make two. sure? Uh, <laughs> one of the i know just the two uh,
2: what an underachiever <laughs> i know you know I, know. Like,
0: I know I gotta work
3: i gotta try harder the- yes.
0: <laughs> and you and you have so much more time now too so yeah, yeah. Uh, so the two podcasts one is called is it transphobic i think i know what that's about and the other one is the right to play podcast which i see that you are doing with uh, gina femia who mm-hmm. i love Mm-hmm. Love, um, yeah. so tell us about your the, the podcast first of all, is it transphobic podcast yeah
3: so is it transphobic started a couple of years ago because i got into a huge argument we still haven't done this movie but we we tend to focus on a piece of media sometimes uh, a larger concept or idea but we ask literally is it transphobic but also is it enjoyable uh, and the reason that we start doing that is because i got into a huge argument as i alluded to with someone who was a friend who basically was saying like, hey, like, how can you say that Dallas Buyers Club is transphobic? You haven't even seen it yet. And so I kind okay. of said like, okay, if I'm going to sit down and watch all of these, cause there's so many pieces of media that are just so bad at tackling these issues. And I don't want to have to pay them money. I don't want to have to give yes. them like two hours of time.
2: So yeah, talking the to you or crocodile like, Dundee. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
3: Like, yeah. There are so many, like, I know people can think of at least five, like, but it's just like, there's so many of these pieces. And so if I'm going to devote time and energy to it, I'm going to get some sort of reward. And that reward is creating this podcast, creating this piece of media where I sit down with a group of other trans and non-binary folk. And we talk mm-hmm. about a, usually, like I say, a piece of media. Uh, but my big thing is, is it, is it enjoyable? Cause sometimes there are a lot of pieces that are actually like, garbage as far as trans representation as far as how they deal with uh the transphobia within their own pieces but at the same time are so enjoyable i will never give up watching *Silent the lambs it's so good but boy is that transphobic
0: I, i'm glad right. you make that point oh, because i i feel the same way with things i'm like is this racist i'm like i know it's racist but it was good i'm gonna watch it again <laughs> yeah <laughs> like you know like, i don't know yeah. what to say. i'm human
3: because i think exactly like it's complicated like just because you're saying that it can be better just because you're saying that it's dealing with this like we can't just pretend like it's not like if you love ace ventura i i rewatched it like years ago and i was just like i don't know why i used to love this but just because you love it doesn't mean it's not infallible so yeah
0: sure i think about that a lot i know katie where we both grew up watching a lot of 80s movies Mm-hmm. In terms of how they treat women, minorities, sexual minorities, ethnic minorities, it's hard to go back and look at things that I thought were really benign. I'm looking at you, Sixteen Candles, and all your movies, John Hughes. Yeah, Ooh, right. You know.
2: Yeah, And, and the, I love the treatment of uh, of the others, others, like, yeah, you know, Adam Sandler movies, you know, that... Oh. so so so
0: what adam sandler but i I spit on the floor (laughs) i know i know
2: Uh, (laughs) but what do you like how do we how do we handle this 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 kind of thing that is so enmeshed in our culture and society like you know what what do you how what do you think about that what do you yeah well how do you guys deal with it on the podcast
3: yeah well a lot of it is just sort of like stating the problem, talking about the problem, and in a lot of ways, laughing about the problem. Uh, I know Rachel has mm-hmm. been on the podcast a couple of times. I think we have focused mostly on pieces of media that were actually like pretty decent. I'm trying to think if there was like... Because there are a couple that are awful that I've had people sit I through. I saw you and... had
0: uh, Due North up there, and I used to love that show. I was surprised to see it the, that yeah. you guys were watching it. Is it transphobic? I asked. So th-
3: there was an episode, and I do recommend, especially if you are a fan of Due North, listening to that episode, because... It's fascinating. There was like a whole episode where the main character and I'm not burst. What's that?
0: I'm scared because I
3: used to love the show. (laughs) No, it's okay. It's actually, they handle it a lot better than a lot of other pieces, but so much of it is, so much of the podcast and so much of the idea is having a laugh at these things and figuring out how to move forward, figuring out how to, A, if we're making a piece now, not make, not repeat the same mistakes because we are all Mm -hmm. influenced by the media that we consumed, whether it's as children or even just yesterday. And like, so because of that, how do we keep that in mind? How do we keep that in focus and not make those same mistakes later, but still enjoy that media and still look at it and say, this was a part of this whole other thing. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: I, I think one of the things I really like about, because um, I've, I've been on a few episodes, but I've also been listening to that podcast, is you tend to um, have a lot of artists and a lot of like media makers on it. So there's, it's not only discussion of like the media at hand, but like what we would do to change it to make it better. Um, Which is sort of like a nice little set of notes for ourselves or the listeners about how we make
3: media.
0: So what about the, the right to play podcasts?
3: Yeah. So I, I approached Gina about this a little while ago because they're, really like i know that there are some playwriting podcasts that exist out there but there aren't a lot and most of them were not on spotify or on a couple of other uh major mediums that people consume podcasts and so uh, i approached gina because gina is my favorite playwright of all time she's also a very dear friend uh and amazing her work
0: is amazing
3: Oh my God. If you have not read, like, forget my work, read Gina Femi's work, see Gina Femi's work. Like, I mean, then maybe come back to me, but like go, go consume her material first. Um, <laughs> but she is so good and so insightful and her and I just constantly talk about the business, but also the craft and also all sorts of other things. Like what does it mean to be a playwright? What is the actual, like, what are the the social ideas of being a playwright? And so We literally said, like, okay, what we're going to do is we're going to sit down. We're going to, I have some equipment, so we're going to sit down, record episodes based on a theme, and then we're going to see where things go. And that's not everyone's cup of tea when it comes to a podcast. Some people need a very structured very clear, very, like, uh, uh, I guess, journalistic style. And it's just, that's not Gina and I.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I was going to say, wow, I can't wait to hear. Okay. Yeah.
3: Yeah. (laughs) That's fine. Like, honestly, like, I get it if people don't like that. But at the same time, I feel like Gina and I have a really good relationship with one another and have a really good rapport. So it's like, yeah, you know, I I feel like there's, there's a bunch of things. We try and call it out. But at the same time, it's just like, yeah, it's Gina and I sitting down and having a conversation about aspects of the playwriting business, playwriting craft, and the idea of what is a playwright. And the right. Oh, and sorry, the whole the whole tagline, the whole reason that it's called the right to play is because if you have a play to write, you have the right to play.
0: <laughs> oh, okay, I was gonna say.
3: Yeah. Let me let me get into let me get into the whole yeah, like actually yes, let me actually give you that one log line of why you should listen.
0: <laughs> That's a sound by people. Cut it. Print yeah. it. Mm. <laughs> the right to play podcast that is awesome so um Rachel did we ask you what are you working on right now what's in development now that you know you're, you're inside you're miming your heart out but what else you got
1: Woo-hoo. um currently I'm working um I'm doing a reading of Midsummer Night's Dream with No Exit Theater Company um they're okay. on Facebook you can look them up um Shakespeare is near and dear to my heart because he is an old enough and dead enough white
0: guy that uh, you can do whatever the fuck you want with his work. I was about to say, that's one of the reasons why I love that man. I don't know much about him and his work is free. Love it. <laughs> um, and uh, I'm also
1: actually in the process of, it's, it's very in development, but I'm in the process of writing a web series about a uh, investigative reporter, but okay. it's a it's a clown investigative reporter <laughs> um, who you know ends up solving things, but almost through uh, the opposite of their own actions. Um, I'm really excited about it. We're we're still in script development phase, but I've I do a lot of like okay, I have 30 minutes. Let me. Let me run around and pretend to be a spy. <laughs> um, yeah. Why not?
0: You know? Yeah. I, it's, it's definitely a thing where
1: I was Daniel like, Oh, Craig this isn't is doing it. Yeah. So. There's, it is a way to find joy and it's a way I really want to use it to talk about uh, how we tell our own stories
0: and how we let other people tell our stories. While while you were both on lockdown as a restaurant, what have you been watching? Ooh,
2: Ooh.
3: yeah. Uh, (laughs) For me, luckily, what we do in the shadows had a really good season this season. Uh, God, I love that show. It's so good.
0: Okay, I've seen the movie. Haven't seen the show. I want to see. Oh
3: my god, the show is so good. (laughs) Uh, um, But yeah, especially if you like the movie, uh, like it's it's. Most of the same creative team, Taika Waititi is still very heavily involved in the entire show, and you can tell, and it feels it, and it's so good. Um, but yeah, that's that's the big one. Uh, I've also like I know Shira came out during that period, so of yes. course a new binged, Shira. Yeah, oh yeah. Oh
0: my oh god! My god. Oh, it's okay. so good. Okay.
3: It's so good. Like,
0: I was it, not.
1: It, I was not sold on it. At first, I was like, okay, this cartoon. And then, like, three episodes in, I was like, okay, okay we got to finish the season. Okay, mm-hmm. we got to finish these three
0: seasons. Okay, we just, okay. just got <laughs> to What them? Mm-hmm. What, how much of there is it? There's a lot of it?
3: Yeah, there's uh, five seasons on Netflix. They're all, like, the, the truncated Netflix season, so it's, like, I think one is okay. Six another is 10 but it's five it's not the real season
0: of hbo yeah
3: yeah (laughs) yeah but uh yeah no it just finished so it's now done the story is over and it's really satisfying and the entire the entire series is just so queer so i'm very happy about that
0: nice Uh, i mean it was already pretty queer from what i remember as a kid (laughs) oh
3: yeah (laughs) honestly that whole he-man canon is just
0: like the cod pieces. I was just thinking about the cod pieces on P-Man. It was too much, and yet not enough. Not enough, you know.
3: But yeah, uh, like I've, I've mostly been watching cartoons now. that I think about it. the Harley Quinn show is has just been my everything recently, and I'm I've huh. never been a Harley Quinn person. I've ne- like you had to sell me on Harley Quinn, and then like between Birds of Prey and uh, this show. Oh. I'm just, I'm all in on I'm all in on Quinn. In on Quinn, folks. You heard it here.
0: (laughs) So what else? Katie, what are you watching? I'm throwing a question Uh, to the interviewer. uh, Curveball.
2: What am I? I, I'm watching. God, I haven't watched. What was I watching? What did I really enjoy? I enjoyed The Witcher.
0: (laughs) 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 <laughs> hey somebody's enjoying it it's on
2: you it's, know? I know. I, what was i watching recently i can't even think about um, don't feel
0: i'm still finishing breaking bed are you yeah. <laughs> don't tell me i think he's the meth dealer though <laughs>
2: i feel like i i i enjoyed, <laughs> I enjoyed dead to me I, I don't know i'm just like really random with what i'm watching and seeing. Mm. I, I yeah
0: I guess my next question is, what would you like to see out there? Exactly. Yeah. I want to
2: see the next season of The Witcher.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Way in the back, The Witcher fans. They won't give it up. (laughs) Who stars in The Witcher? Uh, Now I have.
2: Some guy with a wig and he's like he's got emotional problems.
3: I don't know. I mean, honestly, emotional problems are the star of the Witcher <laughs> uh,
1: Not a wig, I want to see. I want to see Katie's retelling of the witcher. <laughs> oh,
2: please. oh, You don't even know. We had a segment yeah. that we did called movies in a minute that I invented
0: or for Katie it was movies in a couple of <laughs> yeah. minutes, maybe uh, I, 10, 15
2: minutes. I would try to boil down watch a movie and boil it down a retelling in one minute. And I could never do it. And Jaquetta who never saw the movie would do it in a minute.
0: <laughs> <laughs> My favorite Katie did Rambo and in, in, in like 35 seconds though. You nailed that one. <laughs>
2: All right. You know. Uh, <laughs> uh, no. <Amazing. so, laughs> so, I. You yeah. know what I was thinking about. This is something a little bit of a it ties in, but a little bit of a departure too. I'm thinking about uh, like uh, culture and society and, and theater. Um, uh, back in the when I started doing improv and comedy back in the early 90s, I'd, I was in a group and we would. Uh, Put up, write these sketches and for women the parts were really you were the prostitute you were the mother or the a girlfriend or like um the the grandmother
0: mm-hmm. for and- me i was just the prostitute because black you know oh my yeah. god yeah. for me i
3: it. was just the prostitute because trans so.
0: <laughs> really why is that a yeah. thing for us what's happening <laughs> oh.
2: You know, but oh, it, it, and so you really couldn't be like if there was the ticket taker role, or you know, it, it was has to be a guy, it, or the lawyer was a guy, or anything else had to be a guy. And later on, it was like, you know, I can really play that role of the ticket taker. It, it's, right. it could be, I can nail that. I don't have to be the girlfriend, you know, or whatever.
3: Yeah, um, I'm going to be the best damn janitor ever. You don't even know. <laughs> yes. okay? You don't even heard. know.
2: <laughs> you know, and this is just how it was with like gender roles and then uh, mm. you, and then you, going on in any kind of improv group there was only one woman and five guys and then mm. i'm seeing you know as things progress women are their own improv group and, and Mm -hmm. things are opening up. We have non-binary
0: groups, black groups, even even black people.
2: It's amazing. What is coming? What is, what is, how is it progressing? How do you, where do you see everything going to, what would you like to see as, as we move on in our society the way it is now? Mm. Mm. I don't know. (laughs) I I mean, (laughs) I guess we're kind of asking,
0: because Rachel, you said at the beginning that you needed to write roles for yourself mm-hmm. and create roles for yourself. And I found that very disheartening as someone who you know saw that happening to friends of mine who were in the theater program back in the 90s. Yeah. So have things changed or ha- outside of our bubble, things have or haven't changed? Do you know what I mean?
1: I think it depends on where you go. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I, I still very rarely audition for like big theaters or big films because so much, so much is they're either doing old white men's plays, and so of course you're going to have all the old roles that people were only allowed to play, um, right. or it's like there's so many student films up here that I'm like. You you have all the time in the world right now, and this is the character description you came up with. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like girlfriend, brunette, tits. Like that's it. Oh, yeah. so that's uh, the description. Great, thank I you. Just
3: add in could be lamp. Like
2: <laughs> that's fine. Yeah.
3: Like lamp
2: with tits. Yeah, lamp with tits.
3: There we go. <laughs>
1: So but I I definitely think I think if you you if you find your like your pockets up here especially I know that once I was more connected to the queer community up here that there was like okay these are the playwrights who if I connect to and we start working together I'm going to start seeing more roles for myself I actually found in a notebook the other day it was like a year, two years ago was the first time I ever auditioned for a role that was specifically non-binary.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Oh. I find yeah. that, that interesting because I've seen you and I'm looking at your headshots. You could play anybody. <laughs> really. And I've seen you as well, Ashley. And I've seen other. It's like anyone can play anybody is my point, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. especially for theater.
3: <laughs> right. I mean, even then, like, as as someone who has to write character descriptions constantly, if you don't, like, even if you want to create a character that could be portrayed by anyone, even if you're like, this could be anybody, anybody could fill this role, if you give that much freedom, a casting director will fill your play with just white dudes.
0: Yeah.
3: Ain't that something? (laughs) (laughs) Like, you give that much freedom and suddenly everybody makes the wrong decisions. And it's just like, God damn it. It's like, a,
0: no. Non-traditional casting. It's five white dudes with brown hair. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this,
2: is, this is an interesting point. Like as, as a playwright, Ashley, what, what are you, how do you approach that when you talk about your, your characters and um, casting? I mean, yeah, how specific like, do you get or do, how much, how open are you with it?
3: It depends, because for some things, like for some characters, I will I, I mean, I'll just be completely frank about this. There are some characters I will make arbitrary decisions and just say, this character needs to be Filipino. This character needs to be uh, Puerto Rican. Just because okay. again, I know that that's going to happen and if like even if it's just like this character is around and they're someone who's important and their Puerto Rican heritage doesn't come up in the play I still have stated it because I don't want this to just be a play of Bunch of white people doing stuff uh there are some Mm -hmm. plays like uh with my play chasing the ghost the main character has to be a cis white dude because he's a youtuber who screams about trying to get people to get them to to kill themselves i don't want that to be portrayed by uh like i don't want that to be portrayed by a black man i don't want that to be portrayed by yeah it uh, actually
0: sounds like a cis white guy yeah (laughs)
3: like there there are some characters that like absolutely need to be certain things but when they don't i try to make the conscious decision especially if i'm like loading it with characters that like ah oh, this this is kind of a white like the protagonist is white let's see where we can find more different people because really like and a lot of people will say that that's uh uh, uh like trying too hard to et cetera, et cetera. like there's fill in the blank y'all everybody knows what i'm trying to say there but yeah. in reality i live in a world that's not just a bunch of cishet white people like, that's not the world I live in. Like, I don't live in a world where it's just that, and it's homogenous, and even though that's where casting tends to go. So to make an art, like, to make what seems like an arbitrary decision to a lot of people is just like, no, I'm filling the world with people that exist in my world. So.
2: And exist exists in the world, and. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. hmm
3: and you don't have to. I don't have to in my dialogue justify why this character is black. I have told you in my character description this character is black. Please hire a
0: a black person for this role. And, and black people be t- will be thanking you for it. <laughs> I- <laughs> it is, yeah. It's shocking. Like the, I'm really shocked to to hear that as as a trans performer, people were asking you to play to compete with me for the role of a hoe. Basically, <laughs> it's like, well, you know, we're we're both women, we're both <laughs> in some way marginalized, <laughs> it's, it's, so
3: it's like, yep, yes. yep, uh huh. It's and part wow. of that is also, yeah, no, there's there's there is like a whole history on that as well. Uh, there's a lot of like things that we could get into. I realize that there's like that, honestly, that could be its own podcast, <laughs> just like right there, life. yep. And and part of I it like is to because see that we're, scene we're, where we go for the role, <laughs> yeah. We we the both
0: like, yeah, how are like, uh, how you are you sh- reading this? <laughs> yeah, it's like you show up, yeah. I show up, and they're like, "What is this?" It's like it's for a hooker. That's why. It's like what just go,
3: "Oh, okay."
0: <laughs> <It's just> like... <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> I'm five feet tall, you know, in my forties, you know, but still, mm-hmm, <laughs> we're both up for this role. Wow. Mm-hmm. It's like, Amazing. yep.
3: It's like could be played by sexy lamp. Great. Okay, lamp with taste. There we go. Well, <laughs> sexy lamp. <laughs> best, best of luck. <laughs> Hope one of us gets yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or the lamp, curious, Katie. Because uh, I know that you were talking about uh, your your experience in the the improv world. Have you ever had the experience where you? Because I know, like part of it is like you yes and you start a scene and then somebody goes with you on that. Have you ever had a scene where you started it, like either you were doing a motion or you made a statement, and then someone defined you, and then it was like immediately like like Hey, let's go to the moon. Sure, Mom. Like
2: God. Oh yes constantly constantly and I was like I I thought we were we were colleagues but now I'm your mom
0: (laughs) that's pretty common in improv um, that
2: that's always happens I I feel like mostly um uh being in improv and especially with a lot of a a lot of white guys honestly um that you get ignored like you say things Mm -hmm. and they just are just don't even. It doesn't even register.
0: <laughs> I mean, in yeah. my situation, what I used to do is I would just start playing a dude, and they'd be like, "What the fuck? Like our roles?" <laughs> like, yeah, sorry guys. Our roles. I can't yeah. be a mother. An yeah. 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 improv. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: mm-hmm yeah or the jokes are stolen. I like it when you're doing mm. spraying sketch. that's another thing. like you're working stuff out in the in the in the room and you make the jokes and stuff yeah. and then later on um one of the guys says it and everyone's like, that's, a, that's amazing oh, wow. you know so that those mm. were the, the the sticking points I experienced, but is that yeah. is uh, but isn't that just problematic all the way around like people taking each other's ideas no.
3: Oh yeah, I mean, I I will, I I'm not as guarded as a lot of my other colleagues are <laughs> with their material. Um, part of it is because I'm just also incredibly, uh, for lack of a better term, cocky. Uh, so <laughs> I know <laughs> if you steal one of my jokes, a you're not going to get another one, and b I'm going to find another one that's going to like over like overdo that, but that's not how everybody thinks and also like not going to lie like especially if you've put time and you've put effort into a joke that is such a shitty feeling
0: that is such a yeah. shitty feeling yeah. to have to be, like take that from you and it's just like all right and then like it only I- happened a couple of times to me mm-hmm. in doing improv i mean doing comedy mm-hmm. and i was so furious about it but what can you do yeah you know mm-hmm. what can you do
3: like And I've, I've had comedians ask me, especially as someone who has had things like uh, copywritten and things that have been, uh, you know, like produced and like uh, printed, like, oh, what can I do? And it's just like, I mean, the best you can do is like maybe just self, like literally write out all of your jokes and maybe like self-publish it. But that is boring <laughs> and bad. And honestly, like, I guess that's something <laughs> that that's on you to sue the other person. And are you going to sue him over a joke? It's just like, ah, and that's how they get you, though. That's how they get mm-hmm. you.
0: Is that how they get you? So you're saying you don't want to read my joke book?
3: <laughs> I'm saying I feel like it would be much better with context and your voice.
0: <laughs> so my, my, uh, my stand-up days are long behind me. And um mm-hmm. and I'm sad to say that I think I have to, to bring our clown friends that we're having here to a close. Mm. Thank you very much. That was your word clown friends
2: give the credit where the credit is due yes i'm giving credit where
0: credit is due
2: as as
0: our clown friends draws to a close if people are looking to find you rachel online where can they find you
1: oh you can find my work either at rachelweekly.com or find me on instagram at rachel.weekly
0: and ashley what about you
3: Absolutely. The best places to find me are at my website, AshleyLaurenRogers.com. And if you want to learn more about Scowl, including watching uh, Scowl Self-Isolation Devastation, which was a piece that we all put together uh, out of the ashes of having to postpone an entire show that we've been building up for a year... (laughs) I you know uh it's it's completely free. You can watch it on the internet. It's about like an hour long. Uh I edited it all together and it's yeah, amazing. Yeah. Uh but you can watch yeah. that at scowlfight.com, scowl spelled S-C-O-W-L
2: I just want to thank the both of you for coming on this show. I just loved hearing everything that you had to say and I loved your videos and I can't wait, um, to dig into more of your material and I really, I loved it. So thank you again.
0: What, there's an emergency happening in the background. I know. I'm Ooh. sorry. That's okay. <laughs> Could you tell them to just pipe it? Down? Can you can you turn the the alarms down, please? Thank you. Yes. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I'll
2: cut this part out. <laughs> you cut that emergency short. Can you? Yeah. I mean, they, yeah. they
0: should know we're doing this podcast. Like, yeah.
3: Hey, Whatever. we're recording a podcast. Um, what are you doing? Yeah. Come on. Hello.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Saving lives. No, it's a podcast. So like, Rachel, oh, actually, I. <laughs> I wanna, oh God! All right, let me pull myself together. It's, no, it's not you. I'm, I'm a <laughs> professional here. i <I'm> <laughs> um.